You know, a lot has happened over the last 15 weeks, hasn't it? If you think about all of the craziness that's been going on, and there have been changes here in the church body. You'll notice that over the last 15 weeks, we've moved the soundboard. Did you notice that? And there are no cables across the floor anymore. That's one thing that's happened over the last 15 weeks. We were still busy while we were not together. We've had lots of exciting things going on, but it has been 15 weeks. You think of that, almost four months Isn't that crazy? And you'll remember, of course, that it was COVID-19 that caused us to close the church and, man, restaurants and fitness centers and retail stores and shopping centers. It's been everything across the U.S. We've seen confusion over the last 15 weeks, haven't we? Chaos, fear, and we've seen these things on levels that I have to confess to you. I don't think that I've ever seen before in my lifetime when the COVID outbreak happened and all the panic that was created by that. And we add to that the tragic death of George Floyd in Minneapolis on May 25th. It seemed to be the piece that was the missing element to the perfect storm that just pushed everything over the edge, wasn't it? As you reflect on the last 15 weeks, I'm sure that you've noticed that things are almost completely upside down. Consider that. I mean, think about that for a few minutes. Things have been literally turned upside down. We've gotten to the place where we're beginning to call good evil, and we're beginning to call evil good. To illustrate that, there was one man that noted that it was essential to restrict church gatherings and to close many businesses to keep people from passing along flu-like symptoms, while at the same time, it was essential to allow large gatherings of people to walk through city streets together, destroying places where people eat and live and work and make their livings. It just seems backwards to me. It just seems so backwards to me. I mean, you can't shop in a store, but you can feel free to loot it. In Holly Springs, Mississippi, there was a church that was planning to meet during the coronavirus restriction, and that church was burnt to the ground. And there was a sign painted on the ground outside the church that read, I bet you stay home now, hypocrites. So you can't attend church, but you're free to burn one to the ground. It seems backwards to me. Protest police brutality, angry mobs and rioters have attacked and brutalized police officers from New York to L.A., So we stand, and I think rightly so, against police brutality, but we applaud brutalizing the police. That, to me, seems backwards. It seems backwards to me. Reports of election fraud and stealing the election are already beginning to surface five months before the election has even taken place. I've gotten to the place I was mentioning this morning to one friend that I've gotten to the place I no longer look at my news feeds. I no longer watch the evening news because the reports that are making it into my house are reports of chaos every time you turn on the TV, the reports of destruction, the reports of racism, there's reports of brutality and fraud, and I've gotten to the place where I don't even like to have my TV on anymore. Meanwhile, we can see that there's absolutely no peace in America. Even in our churches, there's division, there's arguing, and you've even seen it right here in the walls of Root River Church over the last 15 weeks. There's no peace. There's unrest. The very people who should most exemplify selflessness and sacrificial service argue and backbite over petty and foolish issues. There's no peace. There's no joy. Peace. You're all familiar with the word, the Hebrew word shalom? And in its most basic form, the word means 
peace and it carries with it a positive connotation. And when someone uses the word shalom, I want you to understand that it doesn't mean I hope that you don't get into any trouble. That's not what they were saying. It doesn't mean I hope that you avoid illness. It doesn't mean I hope you're able to avoid violence. It means I hope all the highest and good come your way. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that you get to avoid bad things. It means that I hope for the highest good coming your way. We understand right now, don't we, that there's no peace. There is no peace in America. And there are many people who are even celebrating that. In fact, just last week, there were a group of people, a group of protesters outside the state capitol building in Madison, and they were carrying signs that said, no justice, no peace. And it was then that a 28-year-old man was driving to the hospital to pick up his girlfriend. And as he approached the intersection where these protesters were, one of the justice-seeking protesters picked up a bicycle and threw the bicycle through the air into the man's windshield. The man, of course, was prompted to step out of his car where he was immediately swarmed by 50 rioters. He was assaulted. His wallet and his phone were stolen. They vandalized his car, all the while saying, no justice, no peace. But you see, I think the problem is the people in our world don't even understand what peace is. I really don't think they even know what peace is. I think that they just think of it as the absence of trouble. I think that they think of it as the absence of conflict, and they certainly understand that right now in America we have plenty of trouble and we have plenty of conflict, don't they? Isn't that true? But friends, I want you to know that the biblical concept of peace, the Bible's concept of peace, does not focus on the absence of trouble. And it's important for us to know that. It's important for us to understand that. Biblical peace is not related to our circumstances. Did you hear that? Biblical peace is not related to our circumstances. It's a goodness of life that is not touched by what happens on the outside world. It's a goodness of life that is not influenced by all of the things that are going on around you. Friends, you can be in the middle of a pandemic. You can be in the middle of protests. You can be in the middle of riots. And you can still, in any circumstance, still have biblical peace. You can be in the middle of the most ungodly mistreatment. And you can still have peace. I love what Paul said. You can remember as he was in jail in Philippi. He said, I've learned that I can be at peace. I can be content in all circumstances. I can be content in all things. And he said that as he sat in jail in Philippi, and it was there that he sang and remained confident that even in the most terrible circumstances that he could count on God to be gracious to him. He knew that he could. And then, as soon as opportunity presented itself, do you know what he did? He shared the message of salvation and he led, the, he led an entire family, the jailer's family, he led to salvation. For those of you who are new or maybe visiting, you haven't been with us to know that our approach to Scripture is one that is sequential and expository and we work our way through a book of the Bible and we've been working through the book of James. Those of you who have been with us will remember in verse 2 that James says this, Consider it pure joy. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, consider it pure joy. And I just wonder, where does a person find the kind of peace that is more than just the absence of conflict? Where do you find that? 
Where do you get the kind of peace that is more than the absence of trouble? Where does a person find the kind of peace that cannot be affected by illness? Where does a person find the kind of peace that is not affected by injustice? Where does a person find the kind of peace that is not affected by sorrow? Where do you find that? I think about Jesus the night before he died, and he gave one of the greatest discourses on peace to be found in the Bible at that time. I mean, he knew that tomorrow he would be facing the most difficult circumstance, not only of his life, but of the lives of anyone who had ever lived on the historical timeline. He knew this was going to be the worst conflict that anyone had ever faced. He knew what he was facing the next day. He knew what would happen to him, but he still took time to comfort his disciples regarding the concept and the message of peace. And this is what he said in John fourteen twenty seven. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace... I give to you, and I love this, I don't give as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. The peace that Jesus is talking about here in John 14 is about enabling believers, friends, to be calm in the middle of the worst circumstances. Do you see? The peace that Jesus gave was the kind of peace that allows believers to be calm in the middle of the worst circumstances. It enables them to calm anxiety in the middle of suffering. It allows them to calm anxiety in the middle of injustice. That kind of peace. The kind of peace that Christ left with us is never affected by circumstances. It overrules circumstances. And I think that that's what this world needs from Root River Church right now, don't you? Don't you think they need to see the kind of peace that overrules circumstances? Well, the New Testament speaks of a couple different kinds of peace. There's a peace that is concerning your relationship with God. And then there's this peace that concerns your experience in life. And I want to just talk about those quickly if I could. People who are unregenerate. And what I mean by that is people who have not placed saving faith in Jesus Christ. People who do not know God do not have peace with God. Did you know that? It's important for us to understand. And the Bible teaches that that was true of all of us at one point. We come into the world fighting against God. We come into this world in rebellion against God because we are born sinful. We are a part of the rebellion that started with Adam and Eve. And we've continued to live in that rebellion. And Romans 5.10 says that at one time, every single one of us, every one of you in this room were all enemies of God. That's what the Word teaches. We fought against Him. We were in rebellion against Him. And we fought against everything that he stood for and everything that we did was in constant conflict with his principles. But when you come to genuine faith in Christ, you stop being enemies of God. Did you know that? You make peace with him. You come over to God's side and the conflict is ended. Jesus has written the peace treaty, so to speak, and we have accepted it. And now we are at peace and that treaty declares that you and I are no longer in conflict with God, but we are now at peace with him. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those of us who trust in Jesus Christ have been declared in right standing with God because of our faith in Him. Sins are forgiven. You know this, right? Your sins are forgiven. You stop your rebellion, and the war is over. 
And you have peace with God. And I want you to know that that was God's plan for salvation from the very beginning. That's the way He had planned it. You see, a sinful and wicked man cannot come into the presence of a holy God. Something has to happen to make that unholy person righteous before he can come into the presence of God, before he can be at peace with God. And that was what Jesus did when he died, right? We know that. He gave his righteousness to everyone who believes. So now listen. Paul says because of that, you are no longer enemies, but now you are at peace with God because you're reconciled with God. Do you see that? So where God and man were once in contention, there's now reconciliation. There's reconciliation. Because someone shared the word of God with you. Someone shared the message of faith with you. And you came to a place where you were no longer in conflict with God, but you were reconciled to him. And so where there was once contention, there's reconciliation. And there's this tranquility that is created in your soul. It creates this peace that lives within you. And it affects the circumstances of everything you experience in your daily lives. Do you see? I want you to think about that for a minute. The peace of God does not depend on your circumstances, but the peace of the world does. And that's why the peace of God never makes sense to the sinful mind. It can't. Paul says that it's a peace that's beyond our understanding. We can't begin to understand it. It doesn't make sense that peace could exist in the middle of problems, does it? It doesn't make sense that peace like that could exist in the middle of struggle. It doesn't make sense that peace like that could exist in the middle of chaos. But friends, listen, this is not peace that is dependent on shallow understanding of justice. It isn't dependent on your health. It's divine peace. It's supernatural peace. And it can't be figured out on a human level. And what's great is that the Word teaches that this peace of God, it guards us and it keeps worry from eating away at our hearts and it keeps unworthy thoughts from destroying your minds. This is the kind of peace that you have. This is the kind of peace that the world wants. They want a peace that deals with their past. They want a peace that gives assurance of their future. They want a peace that keeps them from being haunted by the sins of their past that eat away and tries to destroy their mind. But they also want to know that their future is secure. They also want to know that there is something for them in the future. There is no fear of the future in this peace. That's what they want. They want to know they're forgiven. They want to know that things are going to be okay because it's that kind of peace that overpowers the fear and injustice of today. That's the kind of peace everybody wants. Now, I want you to hang with me here. The night before Jesus was murdered, in verse 27 of chapter 14 of the book of John, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He says, my peace I give to you. How? Not as the world gives. Do you see that? So there's a contrast here. Jesus' peace, the peace that I've just described to you, the peace that is not affected by circumstance, is not like the peace of this world. And we need to understand that. I want you to know that this world's peace is absolutely worthless. It's valueless. No peace treaty ever signed in this world is worth the paper that it's written on. Did you know that since 36 B.C., 
there have been nearly 15,000 wars. Did you know that since the beginning of the late modern period of 1900, when we all have become so enlightened, that there have been 266 wars across the world? Do you know what that amounts to? 2.3 new wars every year since 1900. You see, the truth is that from the very beginning, this world has never known any peace. And it's also true, friends, that until the physical millennial reign of Christ takes place on this earth, I want you to hear this, this world is never going to know peace. Those people who carry the signs that say no justice, no peace, it's important for them to know that even if they have what they perceive to be justice, there still is never going to be peace. Hopefully, and I'm sure that it's true, Our society will soon reach the place where it understands that smashing windows and throwing bicycles and assaulting people on the way to the hospital and burning down churches is not justice at all. And they'll learn that it does not bring peace. But even if it does bring the satisfaction that they seek, soon, friends, there is going to be another injustice. Soon there is going to be another war. Soon there will be another cause. And their fragile concept of peace will once again be shattered. And it will be broken. And it will be completely worthless once again. Peace is elusive. The only peace that this world can ever know is shallow and it's unfulfilling. And I think that most people today look for some form of peace as a way to get over their problems, to get away from their problems. And I think that's why people look to things like drugs and alcohol, or maybe they look to causes and protests, whatever it is. But what they fail to realize is that apart from God, there is no peace. You have to get that, friends. Apart from God, there is no peace. And until Jesus Christ himself rules this world, this world will never have peace. The idea of finding peace by holding up signs and destroying things is foolishness. It'll never work. The ungodly will never know true peace. They might know a few moments of tranquility. They might have a few moments of quiet or some shallow, warm feeling caused by some form of positive circumstance mixed with their ignorance. But they won't have peace. Because if unsaved people, I want you to think about this. If unsaved people really knew what was waiting for them at the end of this world, even their momentary peace would disappear instantly. If they only knew. People today don't understand who they are. They don't understand where they're going. They don't understand what they're going to do when they get there. The truth of the matter is that the real reason people cannot find peace has nothing to do with this environment. It has nothing to do with our emotion. It has nothing to do with injustice. It has nothing to do with inequality, friends. If you lack peace, It's not because of the mistreatment of your mother or your father or your grandparents. It's not because your church is crummy. Isaiah 48.22 tells us why there's no peace. He says there is no peace. For who? For the wicked. Well, not everybody is wicked. 
Well, let's take a look at Jeremiah 17.9. What does that say? The heart is deceitful above all things. And it is desperately what? It's desperately wicked. See, the reason that man can't find peace is because man has a heart that is desperately wicked. In Jeremiah's day, there were problems that were rising up in Judah. And many of the problems were similar to what you see now. There was a great army that was coming to destroy the city of Jerusalem and to take the people into captivity. And they were all afraid. They were all living in fear. God's enemies were removing peace from the land. And they were coming to destroy Judah. And Judah was going to experience destruction like it had never seen before. And then in chapter 6 of the book of Jeremiah, in verse 14, the prophet said, They dressed the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Now listen to this. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. The people of Judah, friends, were trying to patch up their evil ways. And then they were saying, peace, peace, everywhere, everything is okay. There's a lot of talk about peace, but there was no genuine peace because destruction was waiting outside the walls of the city. And then in chapter 8 and verse 15, he says, we hoped for peace, but no good has come for a time of healing, but there was only terror. And then a few chapters later, Jeremiah goes on and he repeats that observation. And he says in chapter 14, have you rejected Judah completely? Do you despise Zion? Why have you affected us so that we cannot be healed? We hope for peace, but no good has come. We hope for a time of healing, but there is only terror. And then a couple chapters later, Jeremiah identifies the source of trouble. Listen to this. In chapter 16, do not go to mourn or show sympathy because I have withdrawn my blessing, my love, and my pity from this people, declares the Lord. What's the point? The point is where there is sin... Where there are desperately wicked hearts, there is no peace. And you can't expect anything different right now. Where there is humanity, there is sin. Where there is humanity, there has always been sin. Where there is humanity, there is injustice. Where there is humanity, there is inequality. There is sin of racism. There is the sin of hatred. There is the sin of violence. There is the sin of lying. There is the sin of stealing. It's because it's bound up in the heart of man. As believers... We know that we can't expect anything any different in the future. Do you know that? My kids and I were talking about this just this last week. We were talking about the book of Revelation. And in chapter 6 and verse 4, the Word tells us that when the tribulation begins, there's going to be this short, this temporary period of peace. It's going to last for about three and a half years, and it will seem like everything is great, and then it's all going to break loose. Peace will be taken from the earth. There will be hatred, there will be violence, there will be injustice, there will be discrimination, and there will be illness. Luke 21, 26 tells us that things are going to be so bad, listen to this, things are going to be so bad, the hatred and the violence are going to be so bad that people's hearts will fail them and that they will actually die of fear. I just want you to know there's no peace in the future. People will be dropping dead from fear. The world's version of peace, it's false, and it can't satisfy. Listen, friends, no man without Jesus Christ can ever have real peace. And no world that doesn't serve and honor God will ever know peace. Justice or not, there'll be no peace. No man without Jesus Christ 
will ever know peace. And I want you to know that, like it or not, no man without God will ever know justice either. The peace of God can only be found in having peace with God. You see? It's the only way. So if you are not at peace with God, you will never know the peace of God. You see that? You're always going to be frightened by illness. You're always going to be frightened by injustice and violence. There's always going to be something that will steal your peace. Because the Bible tells us that it is God alone who brings peace. And this is what Jesus said. Remember, he said, my peace, in verse 27, my peace I am giving to you. My peace I give to you. It is my peace. It is the peace of me. The peace that belongs to Christ, he says. It's his own personal peace. It's the same peace that kept him at peace and at rest in the face of mockers spitting in his face and punching him in the face. It's the same peace that gave him rest among traitors and murderers and everything else that he faced. He had a calm about him that was so extraordinary. It was so unlike the normal human reaction that it infuriated his enemies. In the history of mankind, there has never been a greater injustice than what would happen to Jesus Christ. There would never be a greater display of hatred. And in the middle of this indescribable injustice, in the middle of this indescribable mistreatment, Jesus was calm because he had peace. He had peace that was beyond my understanding. Listen, Jesus says, that same peace I'm giving to you. It's important for you to understand that. It's the role of the Holy Spirit to dispense that peace to you. Galatians 5.22 says that it's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It's one of the fruits of having your lives directed and guided by the Holy Spirit is that you have peace. Even in the face of the most unfavorable circumstances, Jesus tells us in John 16 that the Spirit will take from me what is mine and He'll make it known to you. Did you know that's His role? And that's what he did. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to take the things of Jesus and to pass them out to you. Every single promise that Jesus made to his disciples in John 14 was based on the coming of the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit did come and just as promised, he has given to us all of the gifts that Jesus has promised. He has promised life. He has promised union with God. He has promised full understanding. And he has promised peace to those who are his disciples. Do you understand that? All of those things he has promised to you, but it is the Spirit of God who takes those things of Jesus and he gives them to us. So listen to me. People who are not controlled, people who are not guided, people who are not driven along by the power of the Holy Spirit can never have that kind of peace. You can never have it. But to those who know God, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, to those who submit to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, there is real peace regardless of circumstance. Jesus then goes on to tell us that the result of this peace or the proper response, I love this. Take a look at verse 27 again. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Listen, the peace of Christ is here, and it's available to you now. 
It doesn't matter if you're battling health concerns. It doesn't matter if you're battling injustice. It doesn't matter if you're battling drug addiction. It doesn't matter what you're battling. I want you to know that the peace of God is here and it is yours if you take hold of it. You have to receive it. You have to apply it to your lives. And I want you to know that if you take the promise of His peace, you're going to have calm and you're going to have untroubled hearts even in the middle of rioting chaos and affliction and illness and death. You have calm among injustice. You have tranquility among fear. Why do you need to be afraid? Fear and anxiety are everywhere right now. But the real commodity, the real value, is the peace that you have in your hearts right now. I know that there are many people, and there are even some maybe who are in this room right now, who worry about all of the things that are going on today. And I want you to listen. There are terrible things going on in the world today. There's terrible inequality. There's terrible injustice. Fear and anxiety are everywhere. And I know that some of you are worrying about those things. I know that some of you worry about some things that may happen down the road. Some of you may worry about some of the things that have already happened to you. But I want you to hear me say that your past and your future are both firmly in the care of God. He says, I'll supply all your future needs. And he's promised that he has already provided provision by forgiving your past. And I want you to know that not only are your past and your future under his care, but today is under his care too. Do you know that? As a believer, you have no reason to worry about the past. You have no reason to worry about the future. Sin will rob you of your sense of peace. It will destroy your communion with God. And that's the real issue at the root of what is happening around us right now. Every protest... Every cry for justice, either social or legal, is simply a temporary treatment of a passing symptom. You see, today, the symptoms are racism, injustice, violence. Tomorrow, it's going to be something else. The real problem is sin. And as long as there is sin, there will be no peace. Therefore, because of that, we are ambassadors for Christ God is making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Jesus Christ, be reconciled to God. Friends, when our society is reconciled to God, there'll be peace, real peace, genuine peace. The peace of Christ will rule through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what should your response be as a believer during times of fear and unrest and chaos? Listen closely. Your response to bring a message of reconciliation. That's your response. It's to bring a message of reconciliation. Your response should be to implore the sinful world on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. And then find true peace among very real chaos. You see? Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the peace of Jesus Christ 
that passes all understanding. I thank you that even in the middle of chaos, even in the middle of unfair and unjust treatment, that you are still God and you still have control of all things and that those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ can be at peace even in the most difficult circumstances. So Lord, if there are people in this room right now who are filled with anxiety, I pray that you would bring peace. First of all, if it's their sin that brings anxiety, I pray, God, that you would cause them to repent of their sin. I pray that you would cause them to turn from their sin and to turn towards you and to ask for your forgiveness and to find right standing before you through their faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you'd bring them to a place of peace with God. I pray, God, that you would fill the rest of us with the peace of God. And I pray that as we go through the days and the weeks and whatever the future holds, I pray that we can be a church that is filled with the confidence of knowing that we are being attended to by the Almighty God of the universe. No fear, no peace, because we know what the future holds for us. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.